0: I'm Scott Weaver. I'm I'm excited to be here with you. Actually, I'm really nervous. Um, So, let's pray and ask God that he would speak through me. Father God, thank you. Thank you that when we are weak, you are strong. Thank you that today, you will speak. Open our eyes, open our ears that we may see you, that we may hear you, and give us strength to obey. Amen. Well, this summer, we've been seeking wisdom through the book of James, trying to figure out, should we do this, or should we do that? So today, James' question, we've we've seen that, and thank you, Bob, for reading that for us. The question actually could come out of the teenager handbook of questions to ask mom and dad. Now, let me illustrate. When I was teaching my daughter how to drive, I remember teaching her the rules of the road, how to be safe, how to drive well. And then we were on our way home. I was driving us home from someplace, and we were on one of those country roads that I know really well, and this road, you know, the the speed limit does match the road. It just doesn't. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, I remember my daughter saying to me, if you love me, you will slow down. When I drive, I'm never going to speed. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know, a lot of us have that kind of moment. And our children, probably in the back of their mind, are wondering, why does what you do not match what you say? And what we as parents love to say, or want to say, and finish this with me, do what I say exactly. But James is telling us, He's asking us to think about faith. Now, did you know that the American Psychological Association says that when our beliefs and our actions are misaligned, we are living in an unhealthy state of mind. I know friends of mine that what they think and what their heart feels are at odds. They're at odds. And when they're, when they're that much out of sync, your life's a wreck. It's tragedy. Now, some of us aren't that, that extreme, but are our lives good? James, remember, James is a follower of Jesus, and he is asking us, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save him? Can such faith save That's pretty startling. Can such a faith save him? So what kind of faith is James talking about? What kind of faith did Jesus come and died on the cross for us to have here and now? What does that kind of faith look like? Big questions. What kind of faith is it that will make us a part of God's forever family, allowing us to be with him throughout eternity in heaven? What is that kind of faith? What's it look like? Over the last few weeks, we've we've heard some hard-hitting messages. And according to Pastor Rick and others, a lot of you have been saying, bring it on. Help us to know. Help us to grow. I'm so proud to be a part of a family that wants to learn and grow and develop as Christ followers and to encourage each other to do the same. Well done. Today's no exception, another lightweight message. James is really asking us, does your life demonstrate what you believe? Does your life demonstrate what you believe? I remember talking with my mom once. My mom and I used to talk quite a bit about lots of different things. And I remember her saying something to the effect, you know, Scott, it doesn't really matter what you say you believe. You can say you believe a lot of different things, but your life bears out what you believe. And James is asking us that question. Does your life demonstrate what you believe? We demonstrate what we believe every day. For example, when you exceed the speed limit, what do you believe? Well, I believe I'm a great driver. I believe that the speed limit is a suggestion. (laughs) Unfortunately, police officers don't see it the same way. Right, Brian? (laughs) Uh, Don't tell anybody that, okay? When you buy something online, You expect the company to send you what you bought. And if not, you expect to be able to get your money back somehow. A lot of you believe that if you put your information out there on social networks, nobody's going to steal it. Oh, wait, maybe you say that there might, but you still post stuff on Facebook and Twitter, etc., what do you believe? What you live says what you believe. Those who went on our short-term trip to Ecuador are coming home today. I'm really excited. My wife's coming home. Woohoo! They demonstrated trust in God. They demonstrated that how am I going to afford this? Well, God will provide, and he did. They demonstrated that when I go, is God going to use me? Is God going to change me? Am I going to be able to minister to people? And they, stepped, they took a step of faith, and he did. None of them knew exactly what they were going to experience. But they stepped out in faith, and they said, God, I'm going to trust you for what happens. I'm going to trust, and I'm going to show that trust by doing what you called me to do. So I'm so excited to hear the stories that they have, because I know God worked through them. By the way, anytime you have an opportunity, to go on a mission trip. If you're scared, come with me, we'll have a blast. Remember, James is asking, does your life demonstrate what you believe? Or put another way, when it comes to faith, do you live what you believe? Now, this is the tough part. Do you live what you believe? If not? It's worthless. Throw it away. Give it up. It's worthless. Wow. That's, that's a hard word. So, when I was a kid, I lived in the Philippines and, and I remember one summer... We went on vacation to the southern Philippines to our mission, co- uh, mission base called Nossali. My parents were um, at a conference with the mission, and I was, well, having fun. So much so that I, I convinced my parents to let me stay another week, and so they did, and I stayed with friends. To come home, now, Nosoli is is in a remote area. So we had missionary pilots that would have to actually take me to the nearest commercial airport where I would get on a a Philippine Airlines plane for Manila. And so the missionary pilot took me, got me on the plane, and left. So I was sitting on the plane and the pilot came on the over the loudspeaker and said, This plane is having mechanical difficulties. You're going to have to disembark. So, I, being brilliant, I looked around and I thought, okay, all of these people are going to Manila. So, pick one out. So, I followed a guy that I knew was going to Manila. We, got, we went to the counter and, and the lady at the counter said, okay, you have two options. You can stay and wait later this evening for a flight to Manila or you can go now to uh, Cebu, which is in the middle of the Philippines, and then catch a flight from there. Well, he decided to go to Cebu, so I decided to go to Cebu. Made sense to me. Now, this was in the morning, so we kind of hung around for a couple hours before that plane left, and we got on the plane and we got to Cebu, and the lady didn't tell us that we were going to stay in Cebu for three or four hours. That's okay. I wasn't worried. You see, I thought I was invincible. Nothing, well, excuse, let me put it more spiritually. I knew that God was going to take care of my every need. <laughs> I wasn't worried. Well, I was worried that I'd lose the guy, so <laughs> I'd be reading a comic and every now and then look up, okay, he's still there, he's still there, you know. Um, make a long story short, I got back to Manila about 6 o'clock. I wasn't worried at all. My mom, on the other hand, different story. That's another story. But but what was I believing? I believed that I was going to get there. I wasn't worried. For whatever reason, my belief was things are going to work out fine. And I acted on it. My life demonstrated what I believed. Our actions tell us a story of what you believe. James is asking you what your life demonstrates about your faith. Has your faith grown to a point where you experience Jesus' life-changing power and are helping others to experience it too? James goes on to give some examples of faith that won't change your life. James makes some clear distinctions to help us understand what a true Christian, a true Christ follower really looks like. So in verse 15, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, be fed, keep warm. What good is it? If you aren't, I'm really paraphrasing it, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself if not accompanied by actions, is dead. I mean, you think about it. If somebody were to come to you and say, you know, I'm, I'm naked, I'm hungry. Oh, brother, go. In the middle of the winter, go. Be warm. Have a full stomach. You're good to go, buddy. That's ridiculous. And that's what James is saying. Our faith without actions is ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. Dead faith is knowing about Jesus without acting like we actually know Jesus. We can have good morals. We can be vocal about those good morals. We can go on marches. We can do all sorts of things about what we believe. but have you ever been prompted by the Holy Spirit to do something, to say something, and you walk away? I have. Am I demonstrating a faith that God, faith in God at that moment? I'm not. What kind of, that kind of faith, the one that we can compartmentalize the one that we can add to our life, the one that, that's safe. That kind of faith is safe. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to be radical. Hey, I'm going to add, I believe, you come to church, you act one way. You go to work, you act a completely different way. That's dead faith. That's a faith that's worthless. Now, I want to be careful here. James is not contradicting what Paul said. When Paul talked to the Ephesians in Ephesians 2, nine, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. So what is James saying? If James... Now, remember, James was with Jesus. James saw Jesus. James was experienced the death and resurrection of Jesus. He was there. He's not contradicting what Paul's saying. But what he's saying is, if you truly have faith, your life will demonstrate it. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how our faith can be in danger when being right is more important than doing right. Or the moment we value knowing over doing or being. Religion can be described as checking off boxes. Do I do this? Check. Do I do this? Check. Do I do this? Check. It's still dead. It's doing. Okay, I get it. I got to give people clothes and food check. Is that the faith that James is talking about? That's still dead faith. If faith that's alive looks like Jesus, feels like Jesus, because it flows from a relationship with Jesus, It flows from coming into constant contact with the living Christ and experiencing his love flow through you to others. Remember, James was with Jesus and would have heard his analogy of the vine. Remember that? When Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's what James is talking about. Jesus said the same thing. Abide in me and amazing things will happen. Are we abiding? Or are we checking off boxes? I guarantee you that the people that went to Ecuador have seen God do amazing things. Their faith has become alive because of they trusted God they went out they took a leap of faith for some of them and i can guarantee you they began to love people in the jungles of ecuador that they had never met before i guarantee it ask them when they come back ask them to tell stories And I can almost hear them say, oh, I fell in love with. Because that's happened to me over and over again. When I go to a country, I fall in love with the people there. Is it because of me? No, God's working through me. So, a dead faith won't change your life. And there's another kind of faith that James mentioned that won't change your life. Verse 18 But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Wow, talk about shock value. James is saying, if you have faith, you should see the good changes God is making in your life. Changes that produce good deeds. Can't, think of, can't help but think of uh, Galatians 5.20, the fruit of the Spirit. If we're plugged into the vine, we can't help but produce fruit. If we're plugged into the vine. So what do you believe? James brings up something interesting. He compares that kind of dead faith, to the demons. He says that demons believe too. Surprising? What do demons believe? Well, they do believe in God. <laughs> there are no atheist demons. They know there's a God. The Bible also tells us they believe Jesus is the Son of God. They believe Jesus is God. They believe in hell. They believe that Jesus Christ will be their judge. They believe all these things. In fact, James says they shudder. They're fearful. Now, I can't can't help but think that the enemy, Satan, Lucifer, whoever you want to call him, has so deluded himself that he believes he's going to win. And the demons are all with him. But they shudder because they know if we don't, we're going to be judged. Now, that kind of fearful faith, some of us have. Some of us have a fearful faith knowing what Jesus did for us, intellectually knowing but yet having this fear in our hearts about what God thinks of me. What God believes of me. Fearing. Again, I think of the three men that that got talents. The story that Jesus told. And the third man who got one talent hid it. And you remember what he said at the end. I hid it because I was afraid of you. That's not faith. The kind of fearful faith is not willing to risk because failure has too great a consequence. If I risk that one talent, I might lose it. And then where will God be with me? Fearful faith often translates into a to-do list. I go to church. Well, at least Christmas and Easter. I do good things. I give to good causes. I go to whatever homeless shelter and distribute food. I help little old ladies across the street. Whatever the list is. And those things are good, don't get me wrong, those things are good. But are they motivated by a relationship with Jesus Christ or are they motivated out of fear? Are you doing a checklist of of what you think a good Christian ought to be? Throw it away. Ask God to change your mind. We need to have a faith that is based on more than our intellect. We need to have a faith that is rooted in our hearts. A lot of us like to come to worship because God stirs our heart. A lot of us like to listen to worship music because God stirs our heart. Not our intellect. Our heart. But I believe it's possible to have your heart stirred in one moment and then tomorrow forget all about it. Back to Jesus' analogy of the vine. He said, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Don't you have days when you feel like you're withering? I know I do. That should be a a wake-up call that you're not plugged into the vine. You're not in the vine. Somehow you got pulled out of the vine and you're beginning to wither. Does that faith save you? Plug back into the vine. Life change happens when we faithfully hear and respond to God's invitation by choosing to obey. That's why we give an opportunity at the end of every service to respond. It's not that writing on that card means anything. It's actually putting action to what you heard God say. And making a record of it. Almost like planting a flag. I will do this. God, you are telling me to do this. I want desperately to take that step of faith. Help me in my unbelief. James gives us two quick examples to wrap up the passage today. In verse 20, and and Bob read it so well for us, but he talks about Abraham. And Abraham demonstrated faith. So Abraham came from a family of pagan moon worshipers and heard God and discovered God. And scripture says he actually became friends with God. When, it, when God invited Abraham to follow him, what did Abraham do? Did he simply add God to part of his life? Did he hear God's voice and get so moved emotionally, said a prayer, and lived happily ever after? See, God promised him that his lineage would be like the number of the stars that he could see. Now, today, you yeah. know, There are still a lot. But back then, without electricity, can you imagine? Have you ever been to a place where there's no electricity and the sky is amazing? If you haven't, find that place. So, script, you know, a dead faith. If Abraham had this dead faith, he would have said, sure, okay, let's see what happens. Well, I don't know what Abraham was thinking. But in his... In Scripture, it says, Abraham believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Okay, so he believed him. That's easy to say, right? But fast forward. After his son's born, God says, okay, I want you to sacrifice your son. Now, see, that was a common practice in his old religion. Now Abraham had a choice. Was this faith an add-on or was this faith part of his life? So Abraham decided to trust God more than himself. If he loved God more than his son, he had to demonstrate it. Since we know the rest of the story, We know that God didn't intend for Abraham to sacrifice his son. He provided a ram. But it was no less real for Abraham to actually go through the motions of sacrificing his son. The second, so true faith, sorry, true faith requires radical obedience. Sometimes God tells you to do something and you think, that can't be God. Can you imagine Abraham thinking that? Oh, that's pagan. Nah, that can't be God. But he followed out in faith. The second example is Rahab. Now Rahab had a bunch of junk associated with her. She's a prostitute, a member of the enemy of the Lord's people, Israel. But she helps these spies that Israel sent in. She hid them, snuck them out of the city, and sent her people as decoys in another direction. She risked her own life and that of her families, And this is what she said, I know that the Lord has given you this land, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us. For the Lord your God is God in heaven, above and on the earth below. That's Joshua. That's what Rahab believed, and she put her belief to action, risking herself and her family. She didn't just think about God. She didn't get all excited, dwelling on a feeling. She responded to God's invitation to join his family as they were on mission. And coincidentally, she became the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. Wow. So what's the point? True faith responds to God's invitation. But you have to listen. Many of you know this to be true. God spoke to you about something big, and you chose to step out in faith. Maybe it was a missions trip. Maybe it was doing something right at work. Maybe it was somebody that you had to talk to, share your faith with. Whatever it was, you stepped out. You took action. You put feet to your faith. And you experience God in a new way. You experience life change. And there's a good chance that others were encouraged by that as well. Now, you've seen the, the ad about the dog park. You know, my daughters are saying, i got to get a dog now. <laughs> Yay! Well, that, that was an act of God. Rick, I was talking to Pastor Rick, and, and he was telling me all about, you know, he was looking for a way to be a part of the community. He was looking at other churches. How did other churches involve their community? But he never saw a dog park. But the opportunity came up, and they responded. And you, you need to ask him stories about, people that have never been in the church actually walked into our Gettysburg Pike campus because of a dog park. Now, we don't know where that's going to lead, but that's kind of amazing. As we follow God, God's going to do great things. Let's get back to James' question. Does your life demonstrate what you believe? And do you demonstrate the kind of faith that saves you? Again, I'm not not discounting what Paul says, that we are saved through faith. What I'm asking is, was that a heart faith? I remember as a kid being scared. Did I accept Jesus correctly? Did Did I do it right? But as I look back, over time, I can see that God did amazing things as I followed Him. Have I always been grafted into the vine? No, I think I've yanked myself out many times. But then I notice that I wither. Oh, i got to plug back in. i got to listen. i got to hear Jesus. I can't do this on my own. If I were to sum up the Christian life, which I think some people make way too complicated. It would be this. Listen. Listen for God's invitation to love him and love others. And then respond in obedience. In this day and age, that first part is very hard to do. Listen. even hard as you're staring at me (laughs) to listen. That quiet moment, that's hard. But we need to listen to the voice of Jesus. And then obey, respond. How do we? Well, God's word is an important part. Prayer, listening, fellowshipping with others, having other people sharpen you. There's a lot of ways to hear God's voice. And there's a really easy way to stop hearing God's voice. You know how that that is? Keep saying no. Keep saying I won't. and the Holy Spirit will get quieter and quieter. Don't do that. Respond. It's risky. Stepping out in faith is is risky. But it makes your life, your mind, and your heart together. And what you live and believe are the same. Maybe some of you saw the MTV Awards earlier this week. And yes, we're going to show a clip. Um, Actor Chris Pratt shared when he got up to receive his award. It was risky in that environment. Think about the environment he was in. But he responded to God's invitation. Let's take a look and see what he said. Let's talk about this plan of yours. I think it's good, except... It sucks. So let me do the plan and that way it might be really good. Wow. Whether he's playing Andy, Star-Lord, or just being himself, this guy is seriously hard not to like. God is real. God loves you. God wants the best for you. Believe that. I do. If you're strong, be a protector. And if you're smart, be a humble influencer. Strength and intelligence can be weapons, and do not wield them against the weak. You have a soul. Be careful with it. Doesn't matter what it is, earn it. Learn to pray. It's easy, and it's so good for your soul. And finally, nobody is perfect. People are gonna tell you you're perfect just the way you are. You're not. You are imperfect. You always will be, but There is a powerful force that designed you that way. And if you're willing to accept that, you will have grace. And grace is a gift. And like the freedom that we enjoy in this country, that grace was paid for with somebody else's blood, do not forget it. Don't take it for granted. Wow. Can you imagine doing that to the Hollywood elite that many of whom don't believe at all that took guts now i don't know chris like he's funny I like some of his movies but i hope and pray that what he said he actually lives i can't imagine he would get up there and say that and not live it risky I think he heard God's voice and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. He said some other things that were kind of weird. but <laughs> Those of you who watched it, yeah, don't worry about it. But that level of obedience seems risky, scary. But that's what faith is all about. That is faith. Trusting that even if you're putting yourself out there, God's going to do something amazing. James, remember, James was with Jesus. And I can't help but think, as he's writing this book, he's remembering what Jesus said about abiding in him. You can't do it without abiding in him. And James is saying, look at your life. Do you demonstrate the fact that you are abiding in Jesus? If you're not, if your life does not demonstrate, what do we do? Do we start doing a checklist of things? No, the point is, abide. Go back, listen. Spend time. Hear God. And do what he's asking you to do. Does your life demonstrate what you believe? Faith demonstrates our belief and trust in God. And that's the kind of faith That saves us. That's the kind of faith that will change the world. Faith in the living Christ being plugged into him is what can motivate us to be obedient. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would open our ears and our hearts to hear your word to us. Father, give us courage to step out in faith, to trust you, and obey what you have told us to do. Thank you, Father, for what you will do. Thank you that you love us and speak into our lives. Amen. Take out your response cards. Again, this is not something that Is magic. It's simply a way of you listening. What did God tell you today? What was it that God impressed on your heart? What do you need to step out in faith to do? Write that down. Even if you don't turn it in, write it down. Take that action. Take that step.